Niles had coffee today. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Stone Down Sports Podcast. My name is Matt. Happy to be here with you. As always, I'm joined by the Brothers of Destruction here, Kyle and Ramey. We've got a great show on tap for you today. Going to talk a little football, the AFC West. Um, but I'll let Ramey finish filling you in on all that. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Hope you're having a nice week. Um, yeah, we're going to hit up the AFC West, do our divisional preview. I've, I've really enjoyed these so far, being able to dig into them um, division by division. And uh, we'll do our regular pick sixer, our top comedians of all time. And uh, we'll do our back in the day replay as well as as well as anything else we may stumble upon. So how you doing, Kyle? Right. Pretty good. A little hyped up. Had some coffee. So I'm uh, can't shit still. So prepare for a lot of movement on my end, I guess. Uh, yeah. AFC. Good thing it's a video podcast. That's yeah. that's true. Yeah. So everybody can see me uh, shake like Michael J. Fox. Uh, I did. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually, do like, I actually do like Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future <laughs> movies, and some others. Secret of My Success is a good one I like. So uh, I should. Um, AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs, I, I think, obviously, I think we all can agree that that is the team to beat in that division. Um, I see them winning it again for the seventh year in a row um, again this season. Um, I don't see any other, you know, unless Pat Mahomes gets uh, hurt for the year, then they're going to win it. What What do you guys think? I was a dynamite transition, yeah from from apologizing to Michael J. Fox and his family to yeah. I I think the uh, Chiefs are going to win the uh, AFC West. Hey, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, they got that. I've got that part out. But anyway. <laughs> I agree with you on the Chiefs winning the division. I think as long as they have Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, um, they're going to be the team to beat in that division. Uh, the Chargers are making a little bit of a run uh, with Justin Herbert, but I, I do think Kansas City continues to be the team to beat. And like you said, unless there's some kind of catastrophic injury, I don't see any reason why they're not going to repeat again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And if you think back to... Uh, when we were talking about some bets we liked and didn't like, one of the bets I didn't like was the Chiefs to win the division just because they were such a heavy favorite. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head, barring catastrophic injury to Patrick Mahomes, the division is theirs to lose. Um, right now, the Chargers are just, they're capped as a team. And, and part of that is is on the, the shoulders of their coach, Brandon Staley. But But we can talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah, sure. Or we could just roll into the division preview and start with the Chiefs. I thought we were really had. Oh well, you said we could talk about a lot, lot, lot about that later. I was, uh, I was. Brandon Staley coaches the Chargers. Though. Chargers, yeah. 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 So okay, uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs, yeah, I'm. I think offensively, they're set. <laughs> Matt leans back. I think defensively is their question. 
Their offensive line's top five ranked. They got Pat Mahomes. They got Kelsey. Uh, Kadarius Tony is he the wide receiver one there? I mean, he might Kelsey's he might be the wide receiver. Kelsey's the one. top receiver, but is he actually the position wide receiver? Yeah, he might be the wide receiver one, but he's not the number one target of that offense for good right. reason. Um, we'll see how long that lasts, though, because he has uh, a problem staying on the field. Yeah, he's only played in 19 of uh, 34 games in his career so far. So, I still feel like that was a pretty good pickup by the Chiefs midseason last year. I think it was a relatively low draft pick that they had to trade to the Giants to get him and. He did end up making an impact the second half of the year. But to your point, I think by default, he's the number one wide receiver. Kelsey's going to be the number one target. But yeah, it'll be interesting as Patrick Mahomes continues to be one of the highest paid players in the NFL, if he's able to step his game up to kind of make up for the fact that he's taking up so much of the salary cap that some of those pieces that they had in the past, the Meeple Hardmans, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, that they just aren't able to keep those, and they have to rely on um, Mahomes to to make up the pick up the slack. Well, and part of that too is going to be on the front office. You know, they're not going to be able to sign those high priced free agents, so they're going to have to draft very well and, and very smartly. Yeah, yeah. agree. And I th- and I think by uh, when they traded Tyree Kill, I think that was a really smart move. Um, Obviously, it, it worked out because they won the Super Bowl, but they were able to pick up some additional picks from Miami to supplement that offense. And they've really been focusing on the defense in the draft, too. So um, I I think was as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, I think they're going to be the team to beat. Andy Reid is a fantastic coach. And the only thing that he hadn't checked off the list up until a couple of years ago is that Super Bowl win. And now that he's got a couple under his belt, I just think that, that the sky's the limit with his offensive creativity and the talent that they have between Mahomes, that offensive line, and Kelsey. Yeah, I don't. And uh, Andy Reid's good. He's he's a great coach. I I think people will see that the enemy was not the mastermind. Behind, you know, he's not the mastermind behind that offense. He went to Washington, of course. Um, I think it says something. Matt mentioned the front office. I think it says something that they lost. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley off the line and they still put some pieces together and they're still ranked in the top five preseason this year. So uh, they also, I think they're doing their part. Yeah. They picked up Jawan Taylor from Jacksonville to yes. kind of make up for that loss of uh, Jawan Orlando Brown. So, yeah. so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that line, if, if it's able to gel as, as well as it did last year. It was kind of amazing that in the Super Bowl two years ago, the line was such an issue, and they were the front office was able to re, to kind of retool it and and make it one a top five offensive line within the span of just an off season. Yeah, uh, they also signed Drew Tranquil, uh, linebacker from division rival Chargers. Uh, he was their total tack. I think he had the total most tackles on the team last year. Yeah, he had a, a really solid year. I mean, last year their defense overall was 17th in DBOA. Um, they do have some nice young pieces in the secondary, though, to build around. Uh, Chris Jones is in a contract year, so you know this team could look a whole lot different very soon, or <clears throat> they're going to have to find a way to give that man his money. Um, 
you were talking about the enemy, like Andy Reid calls plays. They brought Matt Nagy back. He's not going to be calling right. plays either. So, no. you know, it's it, it, it's a change, but there isn't really a, a whole lot of it yeah. there. <clears throat> yeah. They, um, they're, they're the team to beat. They got that great game at uh, week 17 against Cincinnati, about the NFL schedule all that. So, and they're pumping up the rivalry on the offseason with the Jamar Chase and the Pat Ooh. Kelsey responding on his podcast about don't disrespect Pat Mahomes. So I, I like the offseason chatter. Yeah, there's, they're, they're putting out some bulletin board material. Um, their schedule does line up kind of nice, especially at the beginning. Five of their first eight opponents missed the playoffs last year uh, in kind of an odd quirk. They get the Broncos twice in three weeks, though. Um, their win total right now is set at 11 and a half. I'm going to go over. I think they're a 12 or, or 13 win team. I agree. I think that they're yeah. going to roll roll through that division. I mean, the Denver should be better. Um, Las Vegas is probably worse. So the Chargers are going to be there, but I think overall that schedule allows them to to get over that win total. Yeah. I got him at 12 of 5. Went on the division. So... It's like we're all thinking about the same. They're the team to beat. Uh, okay, moving along. Um, let's go ahead and go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I have them finishing third in the division this year, going seven and ten. Get a late uh, uh, by week thirteen, and looking at their schedule, that that buy comes at a good time because week starting week eight. Through week 12, they have at Giants, I'm sorry, at Lions, home against Giants, home against Jets, at Dolphins, and home against the Chiefs right before that bye. And then right after the bye, they have Vikings, Chargers, at Chiefs right after. So they have uh, a very tough schedule, uh, 8 through 15. Uh, again, I have them at seven games. We'll see what happens. I think it's just a gap year, really, with Garoppolo. Um and you might see a little tank tanking going on. What do you think? I, it, tanking and, and winning seven games seem contradictory. Um, For sure. You're losing double-digit games. I mean, maybe they get some heroics there. I, I don't know. I think they're a four- or five-win team. Um, yeah, they've got Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if they view him as a bridge quarterback or not, but if he is, like right now, he's a, a bridge to nowhere. Um, they've got Devontae Adams. He's still a, a top-five wide receiver, and they brought in Jacoby Myers uh, from the Pats last year, but him and Hunter Renfro both play in the slot. So what the hell sense does that make? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Jimmy G is a professional quarterback. He's going to know where his bread is buttered, and that's by throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. Yep. And you don't even have to do it downfield. You know, he's, he works so good. Just get it out of your hands quick, get to him, make, let him make somebody miss and get a bunch of gap. Ramey. Yeah. I think it's going to rely on Jimmy G to, to simulate or get close to the production that Derek Carr had last year with Devonte Adams. It's interesting because Jimmy G still hasn't passed his physical. Um, his, his signing bonus was deferred 
until he can pass a physical before camp. And I believe he had an additional surgery on his, on his foot to have a screw put in, um, for, I think it was like one of his toes that hadn't healed completely. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. And if, if for some reason he ends up not passing a physical, what do they do? Do they go to Jared Stidham again? Do they Stidham is gone. Stidham is gone. Oh, is he? And and that's oh, that's right. He signed with I, he signed over the Yeah, I was gonna bring that up too. It's Dallas Brown. I think they have Brian Hoyer. Yeah, yeah that's Hoyer. right. Obviously knows the system uh, as well from the time in New England, but that I was gonna bring that up. I think they should have kept Stidham and, instead of bringing in Hoyer, but you know, what the fuck do I they drafted yeah. Aiden O'Connell from Purdue as well, but I mean that's more of a yeah he's not third string guy. I mean, if and, they end up playing Brian Hoyer, they're going to be starting Caleb Williams next season. So. Right, exactly. Or Drake May, maybe. Hey, I think it in May. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Josh Jacobs can stay healthy for another year and have as big of a year as he did last year. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Sorry, I just did it. My bad. It's all right. <laughs> buddy. Continue. No, no. It must have been really important, so go ahead. No. Uh, no. I was just going to say when I was looking up the, the stats to, to kind of do some research on the, the Raiders, I, I found this really interesting. Jacobs had 1,653 yards. The next, lead, the next leading rusher was Derek Carr with 102 yards. Like, they their backups had... 85 yards and less. Uh, so they they completely relied on Jacobs for the running game. I don't think you can do that uh, year in and year out and, and rely on him to stay healthy. So oh. somebody's going to have to step up. Is he going to even play this season? Is he going to lay the out ballot? He still hasn't uh, went to any OTAs or the mini, uh, mandatory mini camp. Uh, we'll see what months, happens so. when training camp comes because that's when the massive fines kick in. That's true. You know, right now it's it's a lot of talk and back and forth in the media. Um, you do have a good point. Look what happened to DeMarco Murray. You know, you give these running backs a giant workload and then they're they fall, for the they fall, Yeah, they fall apart. Um, and Darren Waller's not on the team. He was traded to the Giants. I don't even think he's that huge of a loss just because he wasn't on the field very much. But he was a big target, was I? But they, they did draft Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, who I think is going to be a, a really good tight end in the NFL, both from a blocking right. perspective and um, from a from a pass-catching perspective as well. And they have Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard. Um, some vets in there to uh, show uh, Mayer the uh, ropes, hopefully. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what that yeah, fellow can do uh, in the NFL. Um. Raiders, we're good. Actually, I want to make one more point. I know that Matt Matt is a bigger Patriots fan than than you are, Kyle. But you're both kind of a Patriots fan. I I hate Josh McDaniels. I think he's a weasel. But that's not the point of this question. But, that I'm about to ask is, you guys. Is that more from how the, he was going to be the coach and then had one foot on the door? I mean, he did that yeah. so unprofessionally. And I, as a Colts fan, if, if I was a Colts fan, uh, I I would also hate the man until he died too. So yeah, it's but but that's not that's not what I was trying to get at. So I I, I, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so is he a guy that is his ceiling is really good offensive coordinator, or do you think he can be a successful head coach in the NFL? I know he took the Broncos to the playoffs one year with Tebow, 
and that was kind of an anomaly, but it just doesn't seem like he's a good NFL head coach. You know, I don't think he is. Um, you know, he's he's a hell of an offensive coordinator. There's just something missing with him. Like it and it's hard to put my finger on like I immediately want to say maturity, but almost like not in a hey, I act like a kid, but more of like a professional maturity. Yeah. The way that you would stub a team that you said you were gonna go coach. Well, I mean, that was a long time ago though. Like, you know, and people, you know, that I mean, hopefully he's learned since then. I think it's more like the level that you have to operate to be an NFL head coach, you're you're essentially an executive of a Fortune 500 company. And I don't see that in Josh McDaniels. I think he's a hell of an offensive coordinator. I think he does a, a, a great job developing quarterbacks, but he's not somebody I want running the show. Is he on the hot seat this year? I think so. I don't know, like maybe, I don't think so. I think if they have an, another losing season, I think he'll be back next year. Um, if they end up with the top overall pick, that's a different story. That, different story, yeah. You know, there's a, a regime change. Uh, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think we can all agree they're, you know, I think we're the second best team in the league behind uh, Kansas City. Um, I have them struggle this year, though. Uh, I have a tough schedule. Uh, I got them going nine and eight, finishing second in the division. We'll get one of the last wild cards. I don't and, think nine wins gets a wild card spot in the AFC. Yeah, that's true. You might be right. That is more of an NFC thing. Um, their total is at nine and a half. I think they're a ten win team. I think they can match what they did last year. Um, they got rid of Lombardi, whose offense had just gotten completely stale, and, and brought in Kellen Moore. Um, I think Kellen Moore's offense is going to do a better job of, of taking advantage of what Justin Herbert does well, which is his athleticism and just rocket for it. That's that's one of the things I wrote down. Justin Herbert's a stud, and I think last year he got held back a little bit by his coaching, uh, the offensive staff there, and to an extent Brandon Staley as well. I know that Matt's not the biggest fan of Brandon Staley, but I, I do think that Lombardi's offense – kind of it wasn't catered to what Justin Herbert is best at and to your point Matt it was it's it's moving around and then just relying on that rocket of an arm I think they they drafted uh Quentin Johnson out of TCU with their their first round pick so at least they're supplementing the the receiving core a little bit there because I know that they had some injuries last year with Keenan Allen and and then Mike Williams late in the year um you know it, no, he got hurt it, late in the year. I was shaking my head because him playing in week 18 was inexcusable. And yeah. that's when my girls oh. got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought I was right. And then you show my head and it's like I had I had him on one of my teams. Yeah. yeah. So it I completely agree with you. It was inexcusable. He shouldn't have been playing in that game, and they may not have blown that game at Jacksonville had he been playing um and a hundred percent or even close to a hundred percent in that playoff game. So again, coaching, um, you're up what? 28 to 28 to three, 28 to nothing against the, the Jaguars at Jacksonville. And you end up blowing it in the second half. So it was 27, three. 
That's right. 27-3. 28-3 is uh, something else. Patriots. And- <laughs> sure is. <it. laughs> sorry, Falcons fan. I'm sorry. The the one other thing I'll, I'll be interested to see with the Chargers is how Austin Eckler's desire to have a long-term contract and probably be paid a little bit more than what he's making now. I know that he, he negotiated a, a new deal this year with some incentives, but I wonder how much it'll impact his willingness to, to try to fight for those extra yards, uh, maybe not go out of bounds when you can pick up some, some additional yards or try to score. Austin Eckler, I think, is... I mean, I had him on my fantasy team last year, so he, part of the reason why I'm so invested in him. He's a, he's a fantastic player, both from a running and catching perspective out of the backfield. And I don't know if mentally not having that long-term security is going to impact how he plays this year. Well... I mean, he's made some money, but the contract he's looking for is not out there. Dude is a 28-year-old running back. Now, I understand he doesn't, you know, have the same number of carries as as somebody who's been a a primary back for the past, we'll call it six years. Um, But still, like, that's a beating. He, You know, he does a good job of staying in shape. He does a good job of, of minimizing contact. Um, But father time is, is undefeated, especially at the running back position. Um, he is a, a hell of a running back though, and, and they need to bring in somebody to compliment him. And they've, they've failed through the draft so far with, uh, Kelly and, and Spiller who have been duds. They're Jags at best. Um, you know, they, that might not be a bad landing spot for somebody like Leonard Fournette. Well, it's, it's funny while you were talking, it got me to thinking with Kellen Moore coming on does Zeke Elliott make it? makes sense there he could i i think if zeke resigns anywhere or signs anywhere it's going to be in dallas um but he would make sense that you know he, he understands the offense he you know he's got the relationship with kellen moore but he's probably asking for a bit more than than what they want to pay and, and he's somebody else who you know like reality is going to set in very quick for some of these guys that it's a very different market now for running back it definitely is not they're not not paid like it's the 90s anymore so not valued in that uh respect um i'll switch it you guys talking a bit about their offense i'll talk about defense uh they allowed the third most rushing yards in the league last year uh but they went out and spent uh defense uh jc jackson big deal sebastian joseph day in the middle big deal austin johnson um and also acquired khalil mack from the bears in a trade. So it'll be interesting to see if that, I mean, on paper, it's a much improved group. Um, they lost Drew tranquil. Like I mentioned uh, earlier to the chiefs. Um, but I got some talent in there to sharp that rock defense. Yeah. And, and Joey Bosa, you know, he's, he's going to be good on the other side with Khalil back there. And, and they've got Derwin James anchoring the secondary who is, you know, an absolutely yeah, and he's and Herbert's still on his rookie deal, so it makes sense you have the time or have the money to do this. They just saw their uh, stadium Bates win a Super Bowl. Um, they want to win one too. You mean their landlords? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> locker room mates, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. So they each have their own. Yeah, yes. I think with that defense, I mean, having Herbert and having 
some weapons on offense with Eckler and 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 the receivers. The defense doesn't have to be a lockdown defense. You just have to hold teams under what 24, 25 points a game and rely on Herbert to score 28. And you're going to win most of your games. The problem is last year, a lot of times they weren't able to do that. And especially in in the playoffs, it, it seems like the defense let them down at some of the worst times. Yeah, and, and if you think about how many games come down to something like just one stop, and when your defense can't give that to you, or if your offense is turning the ball over and creating a short field, like, you know, it all goes hand in hand. Uh, they've got a, a brutal stretch. The middle of the season, they've got five or seven games against the Cowboys, Chiefs, Jets, Lions, and Ravens. And, and I think how they come out of that stretch is really going to tell the story of how this season goes for them. Uh, their win totals at three and a half, I'm, I'm going over. Like I said, I think they're a 10-win team. Yeah, the schedule is a, just some little tid, tidbit there. Starting week six to the end of the season, they alternate home away, home away, home away, home away until the end. I just thought that, that was kind of interesting. I had never really seen that before in an NFL schedule. Yeah. Moving along. Oh, never mind. Ramey? No, I was just going to say, I think the nine and a half wins is right on. I, I see them being a nine or ten win team. I tend to kind of think that they're going to go over that nine and a half win mark, but it, I, it wouldn't shock me to see them at nine wins or, or 10 wins, or if things go well, 11 wins. Uh, all right. Final team, Denver Broncos. I have them finishing last in the, then the division at six and 11, their last four out of six are on the road twice against the chargers and at Detroit and against new England. So how they finish up the season is going to matter. But it, it looks kind of tough. So, what do you guys think? I don't think they're going to be a very good team at all. Um, Sean Payton is in. That was the big news in the offseason. He brought in Joe Lombardi to um, run the offense. He's got Vance Joseph there running the defense. It's going to come down a lot to, to the play of Russell Wilson. Is he going to be hot garbage like he was last year? I don't think so. Um, I think Payton can, can coach you know, and, and coax a, a little bit more out of him. Um, but how much, you know, who knows? He was sacked 55 times last year. Tops yeah. in the NFL tied with Justin. 16 touchdowns, 55 sacks. Can't win games that way. Can I? Yeah. Um, they, they, they had 11 losses, eight of them were by one score or less. So with Sean Payton, you think that they'd be able to at least change the outcome of half of those. What's so far? They lost 12 games last year. Shit. Oh, I was just laughing at the one score or less thing. Like, what is less than one score? <laughs> is that a win? <sighs> Eight of the team's 12 losses were by a one-score margin. So I think with Sean Payton being added, they could possibly convert half of those into wins. I think it comes down to is Russ Wilson willing to be coached. Um, it it seems very apparent from the end of his tenure in Seattle and even into last year that he wants to do what he wants to do. He wants to stand in the pocket and throw a lot. He relied on his legs early in his career. And I think while obviously as you get older, you can't do that as much as you were when you were younger. Um, 
I think that needs to be a part of his game with bootlegs and 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 just being able to scramble out of the pocket, not necessarily run all the time, but being able to move around within the pocket and and having Sean Payton there is going to help, hopefully, utilize his talents to their to his best abilities. Yeah, I mean, you can be mobile and and still run to throw if that makes sense. If you're keeping your eyes downfield as you run, um. You know, his size comes into play. If you want to be a pocket passer and you're having to look between people instead of being able to look over people, that makes a big difference because now you're missing a a lot of the field. You're only seeing a portion of it. And, you know, as far as support, you know, they've got a couple decent receivers. Jerry Judy is is pretty good. Cortland Sutton's pretty good, but they don't have anyone elite. Uh, the one elite player they had on their elite looking player they had on offense um, tore his ACL, LCL, and PCL. So who knows how an, an electric running back is going to look coming back from that. I can't imagine he's going to look very good this year. I think next year is, is really going to be telling in, you know, what kind of comeback he has. Yeah. Just, you think Dalvin Cook makes sense there as a, as a one year deal, or would he even want to go there because they don't really have a, what seems to be an opportunity to make a postseason run? I think, I mean, I think he'd make sense there. He's, I think he would give them a lot of what Melvin Gordon gave them. You know, when when he first went there to Denver, you know, not somebody absolutely amazing, but you know, can do a little bit of this and and a little bit of that. It isn't really a liability. And it'll help provide some veteran leadership there, too, to kind of counteract Russell Wilson's Looney Tunes bullshit, high knees on the plane. On the way to London. Right. Uh, yeah, Peyton, if anybody can turn that team around, I think it is Sean Payton. Uh, he took over New Orleans, and well, what happened there the first year? I think they were 3-13 and 13 that last year under Jim Aslett. He took over and went to a Super Bowl. Now, I'm nowhere compared, no way comparing Drew Brees to Russell Wilson. So that's probably your difference. But defensively, I think they'll be pretty good. Brought in Frank Clark. Of course, he's mostly a postseason guy, not a regular season guy. Samaj P. Ryan from the uh, Bengals. So he'll be a good threat out of the backfield. We'll see. I think they signed Sean Payton knowing that he was going to be a long-term fixture in Denver. And I think that the way Russ played last year, it's going to be really important that he shows improvement this year. Or I could see them cutting ties with him in the next year or two. I know he's, he recently signed that extension when he was, when he was traded, but NFL contracts are made to be cut. And I think after the first two years, typically it's, it's not as while it, there would be some dead cap money, I think that they would be able to get out of it. And and I could see this being a year where they don't really show a lot of improvement just because of the talent level on the team, especially on offense. But I think that Sean Payton's going to be basically analyzing and, and kind of looking over the roster to see who could be a fit long-term. Maybe that's Russ Wilson. Maybe it's not. But um, I think this year is, is a, it's kind of a, a mulligan year for, for Payton to where he can see, okay, Here's, here's what we need to do long-term to be able to move into a, a position where we're contending with the Chiefs within the division. Yeah, if they're 
So Russell Wilson's contract, like this year, he's cheap. It's $22 million. It's next year and the year after. It goes from up to 35.4 and then 55.4 but the out wow. is after 2025 um okay. you could get out of it with a 31 million dollar dead cap hit um that's still like holy shit i i think this year is going to be an evaluation year for they're going to play through the season they're going to see what they have and they're you know there's going to be some changes going into next year but yeah. in order to get to where you want to go you've got to figure out where you're at yeah, there's they got plenty of players. Bowles, Randy Gregory, Simmons, the safety. That none of those guys have guaranteed money next year. So definitely got some. Yeah, Caps just gonna keep going up too. Yeah. So um, yep. I do have a question for you guys. Do you think that Russell Wilson is just that goofy, or does he lack the self awareness to realize that the shtick he puts on comes off as so disingenuous? That he, that he just keeps doing it because he thinks, oh, I need to be the the all American boy, you know, doing eating my eating my vitamins, saying my prayers, that kind of stuff. Because it just seems like I, I don't know if it's because they had such a bad year last year, but continuing to hey Broncos, Broncos country, let's ride, let's ride. He's a just caricature. He, he's a caricature of what an NFL quarterback is. It's like a real quarterback went down to a pier and sat down, and then that was what was handed back to him. <laughs> um, you know, it. But then again, on the other hand, like, I want to say, why would anyone actively choose to behave <laughs> that way? So maybe that's just, that is what he is. Like, I'm not a Russ guy. I never have been a Russ guy. Um, no, he's he's something else. <laughs> Some kind of experiment. How, how smart do the Seahawks look for getting out? Oh, shit. We yeah, are it. Well, I mean, Geno having the year that he did kind of helped. Sure him. did. Um, which is in no way repeatable and that shit is not going to happen again. I think, I think it's really interesting. I mean, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and I know that we're talking about the AFC West, not the NFC West, but I, with Pete Carroll being in his early seventies, I found it really interesting that they decided to stick with Pete Carroll and John Schneider rather than signing Russell Wilson to a giant contract and basically telling Pete, Hey, thanks for the memories, see you later, and bringing in a coach that that works well with Russell. So I think it was really smart. I think Pete Carroll's still a really good coach and um, has a lot of energy and everything, but I just wanted to touch on how how smart the Seahawks look getting the picks, not only not citing Russell Wilson to a giant extension, but getting some picks back for the Broncos as well. They got damn lucky there, um, you know, but they made the smart move. Who, who wants a quarterback that says, you know what, I need an office at the stadium and my teammates need to make an appointment? All right, let's do our weekly pick sixer. This week we're going to talk about our top six comedians of all time. Kyle, would you like to start us off? Sure, absolutely. Top six comedians. 
Uh, number one, no particular order, uh, is Jay Hickman, a uh, comedian from the 80s and 90s. Don't know him. Uh, he had an album and a joke titled Boat Ride that uh, is hilarious. I won't get into it now, um, but it is about uh, a guy who takes girls out on his boat to gain sexual favors and how it backfires on him. So uh, check that out. Just Google YouTube Jay Hickman Boat Ride. Fine. Uh, number two, George Carlin. Oh my God, I love him. He's so great. <laughs> Yes, I, I I expect him to be on everybody's list. If it's not your fucking psychopath, um, famous for the seven words you can't say on television. Television, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and, and tit tits. Uh, and another quote I love of his is "Never underestimate power of stupid people in large groups." Uh, number three, Robin Williams. Most of you probably remember him as a great actor, obviously, on Mrs. Doubtfire and others. Uh, he started out as a comic. Um, I remember watching the comic release specials back in the 90s with him and Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, that's when I was introduced to Robert Williams. One of his quotes that I like is, Cocaine is God's way of telling you you have too much fun. Uh, next is number four, Bernie Mac. Um I loved him growing up. Uh, great black uh, com comedian. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, his is, if you don't bust a nut when I bust a nut, you fresh out of fucking luck. What's so funny, Matt? Funny joke. Yes, it is. Um, and then Larry David is uh, number five for me. Obviously creator of Seinfeld, for your enthusiasm, start out a comic. Saturday Night Live famously for one year quit um, and I put a woman on here because I felt like I needed one Sarah Silverman um, I think she's uh, hilarious uh, and not bad on the eyes either um, her little favorite thing on sports that I liked was I learned that people in wheelchairs are allowed to have marathons which seems like cheating to me but what are you going to say man top six can be up to you. All right. Uh, I actually went with people based on their stand-up comedy. Um, mm -hmm. So number six for me is David Cross. His album, Shut Up, You Fucking Baby, is my favorite album of his. Uh, he's also known for playing Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. Uh, number five is Paul Mooney. He was a writer for Richard Pryor. He actually helped Robin Williams break into the business while he was head writer on the Richard Pryor show. Uh, more recently, he's known for his sketches on Chappelle's show, Ask a Black Dude in Negro Damas. Number four, Bill Burr. Uh, Kyle, I think I played his Philly rant for you uh, the other day where he absolutely just roasts a crowd in Philadelphia for 11 minutes back in 2006 and actually counted down during. Uh, it, it was funny as hell uh, pretty epic he's also a creator and, and writer of the netflix show f is for family and he voices the father um, number three for me george carlin uh you mentioned him earlier kyle uh he's excellent with observational humor 
And especially towards the end of his career, he didn't really tell jokes per se. He more presented the world for how it was. Um, number two for me, Richard Pryor. To me, he's the the best comedian ever. He's excellent in stand up. He had some hilarious movies, uh, Brewster's Millions and, and Stir Crazy Come Together. And he and Gene Wilder really had some uh, some excellent chemistry on screen. Um, and number one for me, since this is favorite, is Mitch Hedberg, um, surreal one-liners, had a very unconventional delivery. Uh, the dude was just an absolute riot for me. Very, very deadpan in his delivery. Uh, to me, he's the my favorite to ever do it. Ramey, who's on your list? Nice. Uh, starting at number six, I have Lewis Black. Um, I first caught wind of him on The Daily Show on Comedy Central back in the the early 2000s when he was on there with Jon Stewart. Actually went and saw him in Carmel here last summertime and uh, really enjoyed the show. He's a very, I can relate, he's a very angry comic. Um, yes. So so I, I, I vibe with that. Uh, number five, um, Don Rickles. I really just enjoy that whole Carson Tonight Show era and he was always one of my favorites when I would see him come on. And when I mean, I see him come on. I mean, when I watched the YouTube clips of him coming on, I was five years, seven years old when Carson retired. So, um, but Don Rickles is a huge, uh, insult comic, just really off color things, but means it in the best way possible, if that makes sense. So he can kind of get away with, with just about saying just about anything. So, um, my number four, Jerry Seinfeld, this is for, this is for you, Kyle. Uh, just, I, I saw him at IU when I was at IU and in the early two thousands and really enjoyed his show. Obviously the, the, the Seinfeld show was a huge hit, but just I've always thought he's a very funny guy and, and especially watching comedians in cars getting coffee. It's, it's been interesting to see him have conversations with, with other comedians and kind of dig into the nuts and bolts of how, how to write a joke or how to put a set together, that kind of stuff. So just, I mean, incredibly successful, but also very funny. Um, number three, George Carlin. I just feel like culturally he was, uh, really important. Actually, I'm going to throw number three and number two together. Uh, George Carl Carlin and Richard Pryor are my three and two. So you guys already hit on them. So I'm not going to say too much, but, uh, just wanted to also mention that George Carlin was a prominent figure in my youth as, uh, as the conductor on Thomas, the train engine. So, yeah. So, uh, my number one is uh since like you said it's it's our favorite comedians uh my number one is norm mcdonald another unconventional comic whose delivery is, and cadence is just something that you don't really hear very often when you said mitch hedberg matt it, i kind of put them in a similar boat just because like the cadence and the the tone and the the just the delivery of their jokes are, are not what you typically hear with a, with a, a standard comedian, if there is one, um, uh, gone way too soon, but just, it seemed like a guy that was super, super smart and a guy that no matter who the comedian was, they respected him because he was always trying to get the joke, get the punchline out, make something funny. And to a point where he would tweet about like golf, like he would live tweet golf, like, PGA events. And it's, it was interesting because he reached a level where you're like, is he just fucking with everybody? Or is he like, is he just being serious right now? So I think the way how creative he was and how different he was, uh, puts him at the top of my list. 
Oh, there's some good lists. Jerry Seinfeld, I've never really cared for his stand-up. I, I don't find him particularly funny. Love the show. Just, I, I don't know. He, he doesn't really do it for me, I guess. Um, and, and I like how you brought up the cultural impact of Carlin and, and Richard Pryor. And um, that's something that can't really be understated. Yeah. I I kind of went the same route as you, Matt, with, with sticking with stand-up comedians. But when I came up with Seinfeld, I just felt like because of the show and because of his continued work with comedians and cars getting coffee, that's why he made my list. I find him really entertaining. I I agree with you. I think I might be a little too dark for his comedy style to where, I mean, it's it's typically pretty clean, which is fine, um, but it, it can come off as corny sometimes. But I think overall with, with everything he's been in, involved in, and don't forget B-movie, um, it, that puts him in my top five. I speaking purposely of, didn't. I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of dark, um, I saw both Mitch Hedberg and George Carlin, and both of them died six months later. Yeah. So you, you don't go see comedians. You I'm the common denominator, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy burden for me to bear. Now it's Get time it. for our back fucking shit. <laughs> I know he yelled me one or three, four. Uh, uh, now it's time for our back in the day replay. Uh, or, uh, fuck it. I don't even need to explain it. Why am I fucking explaining? I don't fucking know. Now it's time for our back in the day replay. Matt, what do you have for us this week? Uh, June 26th, 1916, the Cleveland Indians experiment with numbers on jerseys in a game against the Chicago White Sox. It was the first time MLB players identified by numbers corresponding to those on the scorecard. They put the number on the left sleeve. And back then, the players didn't wear numbers on their jerseys. Instead, on the scorecard, their number was printed. But, you know, people would come up bat and, you know, just by looking, you can't tell who it is. So it didn't really catch on at first. Um, it became pretty much commonplace. I, I want to say in like 1946, something like that, just after world war two. Excellent. Uh, Ramey. Yeah. You guys are going to love this one. 20 years ago this week, uh, LeBron James was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I know it, it, his impact on basketball is 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 not what I the reason why I I chose this one is just how old it makes me feel that he was drafted 20 years ago because he and I are a month apart as far as age and to think that he's been in the NBA for 20 years is pretty amazing so that's why I decided on LeBron James getting drafted number one by the Cleveland Cavaliers so I guess that means 20 years ago this week then Darko Milicic was drafted number two by the Detroit Pistons in that draft it's not often you can get a human victory cigar uh by his June 27th 1988 Mike Tyson backs out Michael Spinks in 91 seconds uh, at the time it was Tyson's 16th first round knockout in 35 professional fights uh, it is presently the sixth shortest heavyweight fight title history uh, just 10 punches were landed, eight by Tyson and two by Spinks. I did not know this until today. Spinks never boxed again, 
announced his retirement from the sport a month later. Uh, the Tyson fight was the only loss of Michael Spinks' professional career. Uh, Mike Tyson went on to prison for rape, came back to a bite to bite uh, Vander Holyfield's ear off, and had a great cameo in The Hangover. That wraps that up. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you to all of our subscribers and, and those of you watching who aren't subscribers. We really wish you would consider doing that and, and throwing us a like or a comment. It really helps us out. It's easy to do. All you got to do is click a button. Woke up this morning to a comment on the YouTube uh, short I did yesterday. So, yeah, comment. We'll interact with you. Sure. Sometimes it's even to... witty or intelligent. Right. Remember to check out the... Website at uh, stone.sportpodcast.com. New episodes out weekly on Tuesdays. That wasn't a big stop to your statement there. <laughs> like the... How many W's go in front of Stone Down Sports? Well, Podcast three now. particularly, but I'm not going to say the W's anymore. I have omitted the W's because it's not 1996 anymore. I don't feel like I need the W's. When I'm going to fuck it up, and only only say it twice. Are you a WWW guy or a WWW guy? I'm I'm a WW. <laughs> I don't say the fucking W. So thanks for watching. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>